what what the virus has actually did it's actually it accelerated um killing off the guys who were actually in a vulnerable state right so your your edgesses but majority of the corporates that uh, are currently in South Africa have adapted well right so you know you put smart people in a room for a couple of months they're bound to come up with a, a solution to a problem right Welcome to the Mass Startup Podcast. My name is Michelle Mudal. This is a podcast for Africa's opportunity seekers, problem solvers, future shapers, world builders, and entrepreneurs. This podcast is meant to be a platform to encourage, empower, and educate young people in Africa on entrepreneurship, startups, and business. Welcome to the Mass Startup Podcast. Um, so we've been trying to churn out a lot more content a lot more frequently and also a lot more consistently and um very key to that last one consistently is trying to also bring back some guests um on a more uh consistent basis um a more frequent basis so uh this week I got Ubobele and Dali back um in the virtual studio how are you guys doing Oh good oh good Good man how are you I'm very well. How are you doing, Dali? <laughs> Ububele, for some reason, is making funny faces at the camera for some reason. Because I can't hear Dali anymore. <laughs> no. I can't hear Dali. No, no, no. It's, it's, all, it, it's all chilled. It's all chilled on this side. Uh, I think just surviving another week of lockdown, organ level three. So we'll see if possibly we go back to level five. Yeah. So, I mean, last time there wasn't really a set basis on which the podcast was made and I don't think today is going to be the same so um I've been thinking about this lockdown 3 thing and I'm going um as much as I understand why we'd need to go back because there's probably going to be an insane shot in terms of numbers um shooting up because of this the behavior I've seen in the last week or so um you sort of just feel like life is back to normal um at some point everyone was talking about how the new normal was going to be this drastic change in how we live our lives and then level 3 was announced and it looked like oh life is normal nothing <laughs> changed <laughs> and like, people are comfortable right so most people went back to work um you know uh people started hosting parties at home well kids me mainly but even adult, adults, mm. uh, celebrities started hosting parties at home. Uh, I don't know, like people. I think, I think the the main thing that is causing this behavior is alcohol, right? That's 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 the big thing that is um, causing this behavior. People are more are more risk taking in, in this current environment. You know, they just. But there's no curfew, there are no like restrictions, so I, I think that, that there are quite a few things that have actually come into play. So if, if we even consider like right now, the whole situation where we're talking about people hosting parties and stuff like that, is that, yeah, yeah, what, are we, what were we expecting? 60 days and people would all of a sudden change their habits after like living on earth for like 20 plus years. I'm just throwing adult years, but some people have been around for like even like 50 plus years and we're expecting 60 days to just like change all that behavior. Yes, Dali. That's exactly what I expected because 
You know, I've I've quit a certain habit that I'd much rather not mention on the podcast, but <laughs> I've quit a certain habit, right? Because I didn't have access to that thing, right? So I now know that, oh, I actually, I actually am fine now, but like there's a behavioral change, right? There's a, there's a, hab, a habit change. I don't know if it's habitual, but whatever. But mm. if I can shift something that I felt was a habit, uh, an addiction, whatever it is, and that can be removed because of the lockdown, how different is that from a party, from social gatherings, from being irresponsible in that way? I actually believe that the 60 days would do something to consumer behavior, to people's just general way of operating, right? I felt like there would be a massive change. But the way it looks, everything is just going to go back to exactly the way it is. And I, I, I think about the timelines that people had. Okay, restaurants will be open in nine months. Um parties and and sort of festivals will be open in say two years or three years you can bring those all the way down if you look at the way people are behaving with just level three all of that is like null and void normal is never going to be anything other than normal there is no new version of it (laughs) yeah yeah like think about it like yeah the the happiest people in this environment is uh people who own uh uh restaurants and uh nightclubs right because they know that people, as soon as um, they get the green light, all they need to do is survive until they get to a point where uh, everything <laughs> everything is able to be open again. But speaking to whatever vices that you have, I'm sure there's a dark market uh, <laughs> that has been running throughout, uh, throughout lockdown for your vices. Well, I choose not to engage in the dark market. As you called it, <laughs> I think um, that's also something to talk about. It's just like um, how much of that has actually existed now. Um, have you guys seen that black market slash dark market really boom in terms of um, things that are available to people that could, that they can't necessarily buy um, because of whatever mm-hmm. laws are in place? Well, I, I wouldn't want to incriminate myself, ah. so I'll, I'll plead the fifth. I don't know about Dali. Uh, okay, so on my side, I, I, I just talk about supply and demand. It's like even when people were complaining about PPE being like so overblown in price, it's supply and demand. You've got the supply, nobody else has the supply, of course the price is going to go up. But if there's competition, the price will go down. But uh, like with anything, it's also the long term. You can screw your customers over for the short term, but you best hope that you don't see their face again in the future. So those are the sort of games that we have to just try and talk of where I think unless you're like a con man, you're going to be in the city and then the next uh, time you're not there, never going to see these people's faces. But in the day of the Internet, yeah, I, I wish you all the luck. Do you think there's going to be a lot more of it um, with possible level five coming back? Um, you've seen a lot of businesses start to open up now, um, a lot of people being able to trade a lot more now. But um, how do you see things going forward? Um, whether we go full steam ahead with level three, which is basically a massive experiment on um, herd immunity at this point, um, versus going back into lockdown, um, how do you think this changes the way people think or operate? Mm, well, I think lockdown, like what was previously stated, is not really a plan. As in, that's for when you don't have a plan. As in, you have to think about it. 
if there was an actual plan, we would have been like Taiwan or South Korea, track and uh, yeah, test and trace everybody, and we would have still been operating. But if you don't know where people are, as in, I'm just throwing statistics. I went for one of those COVID-19 tests where they jammed the thing up your nose. With uh, this game, it seems like they're using Lancet. It's, they say it takes three to five days, but I'm hearing that results come out in like a day later. And that costs 850 Then you've got like the free government option and they're saying five to 14 days. So the difference between three to five days and five to 14 days Hey, if I'm going to wait 14 days for my results and I actually come out positive, imagine the amount of people that I've already interacted with. Unless we're hoping that um, people are all honest and have a whole lot of integrity and they're going to self-isolate for those two weeks. But I highly doubt that's the case, especially if people want to go out and buy groceries. They don't want to face the issues of Zulzi and the likes. So, yeah. Ubele, what are your thoughts on that? Well... I, I agree with Dali, right? The, so there's a lag in the actual results of 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 the test, right? So you know, we po- we possibly today we we possibly live uh, four days back. Um, results that are going to come out tomorrow are possibly results from testing on uh, Saturday. Uh, you know, results that are going to come out on Thursday are possibly results from Monday, right? So there's, a, there's an element of lag um, in, in, in what the actual figures are and what they could be. Um, you know, when you look, like I remember you, when at the beginning of the lockdown, you said that the government is a possible loser in this, in, this, um, in this whole scenario, right? And now I'm starting to agree because um, throughout the lockdown, the government is only able to add something like 250 more intensive care beds, uh, a couple of more um, of, of ventilators, not much to actually extend or to put us in a position where we are comfortable to say, hey, man, we can have more than 10,000 people in ICU or we, 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 we're able to you know, mitigate the potential um, um, hurricane that is about to fall on us, right? I don't think we are at a position where... Um, we, we are comfortable enough to say that, you know, has the lockdown worked effect, effectively enough? We don't know, right? I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not a doctor. I can't, I can't speak on, you know, the actual uh, nature of the disease or the virus. Uh, but, you know, when you're looking at um, the, 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 government's, the government's implementation of the lockdown and what the courts have, court have said or the high court has said about the, or the effectiveness of the decisions of the government, you can you can put blame to say, hey man, what have you guys been doing in this position uh, or in this period of lockdown that has put us in a in a position where we are able to you know mitigate the further damage that we have on us? Like I think I think currently everybody is doing whatever they want, right? And that's gonna hurt us down the line, right? Whether you you agree with it or not, right? It is going to hurt us down the line. And, you know, we haven't seen the end of the... We can move to level two. We can move to level five. But what is that going to actually do to to us? How How is that going to change the current situation that we have right now? All we can do is, hey, man, accept that, you know, we might not have done enough to move forward and just try to mitigate the impact 
um, by you know the impact on the economy as well as the impact on on people's lives by protecting those that are highly vulnerable like the old the elderly um, the people that have pre-existing conditions right that's the only thing that we can do moving forward yeah um, something that like has always underpinned um, my thinking around this virus and the impact of the lockdown has always been something that Scott Galloway said um, right at the beginning where he said um, this virus was going to do to people what it's going to do to businesses so um, it predominantly um, <clears throat> affects and hurts the old and the weak and he said that in terms of people which is you know has been obviously um, clear in, in terms of the data where people that have sort of preconditions um, are often the ones that get hurt the most or possibly uh, it becomes fatal and then also the old um, who have immune systems that might be compromised as well um, but Taking it back to businesses, have you seen the impact that it's actually had in terms of the old, which being you know corporates that are very that operate on very traditional um, models and stuff like that, and well as well as the weak, which is small businesses that might not have had the cash flow to actually survive this time. Well, on on the corporate side, mm-hmm. right? What what the viruses actually did? It's acceler- it accelerated um, killing off the guys who were actually in a vulnerable state, right? So your your Edgises. But majority of the corporates that uh, are currently in South Africa have adapted well, right? So, you know, you put smart people in a room for a couple of months, they're bound to come up with a, a solution to a problem, right? Even if you look at the financial markets, right, they're very divorced from what is happening in reality because they price in the future rather than what is currently happening, right? So everything is... On the foreign, on the financial market has already recovered because they've already they've already uh, you know they priced in um, the risk that is currently happening and they believe that the companies that exist right now are able to thrive. Dali, mm-hmm. yeah, my take is that um, just adding on to what Ubele has already touched on is that yeah the big old companies like banks uh, banks are not gonna die as in they're literally a fundamental part of uh, the economy you look at any of the other businesses i think it's only the ones where you had like razor sharp margins uh we had a chat uh, about it which was the airlines and the restaurants um it's not to say that they're passion projects but that's literally what i was just saying that you have to have a whole lot of passion to stay in that industry because literally if it's not there you're literally gonna be on the chopping block like with everybody else. I think the only ones who've been able to survive so far have been like the big franchises. So you think of like your Nando's, your Chicken Lickens, your McDonald's, your KFC's, your Pizza Hut's, anybody who at least has a wider range, I think they would have been able to hold things out. But for the smaller restaurants and cafes, I think you guys were talking about Bloom uh, that was next to the Yoko offices. Uh, wasn't that uh, also going to close down? Let, let Bloom go, bro. Just <laughs> Daddy, it's, it's a very, it's a very hurt, hurtful thing to say. Right? But no, man. Like going back, I'm sure I'm sure yeah. people don't want to hear us speak about COVID. Right? There's a, there's a few things that I I actually wanted to speak about. I wanted to speak about how you feel <laughs> about the podcasting industry and how like your podcast is growing within the ranks, not just. In South Africa, because it's measured in South Africa relative to the world, because majority of the podcast feed or the top hundred feed 
on the on the Apple Store consist of American mm. uh American and other um, podcasts. The second thing I also wanted to speak about <laughs> yeah. was Dali's tax bill. I don't know which one you want to <laughs> you, you want to touch on first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, um so um it's very I'm sorry to interrupt. Sorry to interrupt. I also just add the the new engaged podcast network that also came out and your thoughts about it. Oh damn. What's what's wrong oh, with Oh damn. You? What's wrong? Oh damn. <laughs> oh damn. <laughs> so, I think um it's a very interesting time. Um I think that a lot of people think that they know that I think a lot of people think they know what they're getting themselves into, but they might not be fully conscious of what it means. Um, so a lot of the sort of experiences I've had so far in terms of podcasting for the last three years has been that it's very easy to start your own, but it's very, very difficult to be able to, uh, one, maintain that one podcast that you're making, but try and scaling a network as well. I think that we are so early in the game that... Um, we don't even realize it. I think a lot of people think that this is very cut and dry and very straightforward, but it isn't. And it's going to be a long game. I'm thinking 10 years before it genuinely reaches its full potential, mainly because of internet access and sort of um, just being able to drive people to a different medium. If you look at the numbers for South African YouTube versus um, podcasts, you will see just the reality, right? So it's much easier to get a thousand people to watch a YouTube video than it is to get a thousand mm. people to listen to a podcast. And that means a much deeper um, investment in trying to build a community um, and much deeper investment in creating valuable content, much deeper uh, relationship with the work that you're actually doing. Um, I think there's this thing that South Africans do really well, which is finding trends and then um, ruining them as well. I think we're really good at like just all 150 million of us going into something. And then there's so much noise that the good stuff actually doesn't rise to the top and it actually stifles or even strangles uh, a really potential amazing thing, right? So with podcasts, I'm seeing a lot of noise, um, which is, it was fundamentally good in the beginning because it drove adoption, but now that noise is becoming the blocker that's stopping people to go into the actual crux and value um, part of the industry. Because if people are getting stuck with the noise, if you go through five podcasts, the first time you try and listen to a South African podcast, if you go through five mm -hmm. podcasts and you hate all of them, you probably won't ever touch podcasts again because you're going to decide that this medium is not great. And that's the thing that's happening now is there's a lot of noise that is now becoming a blocker and not the thing that was driving adoption. So early on, I really always thought, you know, if we created a guide for people to listen to podcasts, we created a mm. podcast library, what we would be doing is driving adoption of the medium at a really mass scale by, you know, trying to double or triple the amount of creators in the space. But now I've actually changed my, my perspective on that. And it's like, now it's actually becoming noise rather than um, adoption and Driving adoption, it's actually just compounding the noise, which really um, hurts us. But on the whole, I think it's a 10-year game, um, Very build very consciously, very intentionally. 
Um, I think we've just rebuilt our entire model now and it starts with having, you know, much, much more focus on community and content, um, but also being very conscious of how to commercialize that. And it's it's an interesting thing that we're going through. And I think it will be interesting five to 10 years, but I'm not even like worried about what's happening right now because people are making assumptions that are very dangerous um, into how profitable this can be and how how quickly you'll be able to scale anything in this space. I'm 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 definitely making an assumption, mm. right? So <laughs> so I think personally I think that I, I think I, I tweeted about this thing in the morning where I think Cliff Central had the right idea but the wrong model. Right. So mm. in South Africa currently the infrastructure for for hosting a uh, hosting a podcast doesn't exist be besides Iono, but Iono was built for radio snippets, right? That's why um, I think that's why you have uh, 702 who host their platform or their podcast on, I think it's Costbox or one of one of the other guys uh, in uh, the UK, right? So the problem is that, you know, even if, even if, you know, the hosting infrastructure, um, the way that podcasts are, are like the only revenue model for podcasts in the in in like in South Africa is having a branded one. Not even not even uh, having ad bits. It's having a branded podcast with a like a like a discovery or uh, another one of these insurance guys who are heavily into into this um, uh, field. So I think the model itself is flawed, right? So for it to work, you need to show you need to show people that are invested into it. Uh, like uh, an avenue for them to be successful. Um, if I start a YouTube channel, my avenue to be successful is, uh, well, uh, well, you, like YouTube guys, they they like they like things being sent to them, like brand brand sponsorships, right? Like the influencer model, right? If you start a YouTube channel, the main thing that you're trying to do is to get you're trying to get brands aligned with your community and whatever you're building, right? That's that's essentially mm. the only monetizable way, unless you get big enough um, to be your MKHBD, your you know your, your Lex Luthor. Is it Lex Luthor? That guy, Dali is, is his name Lex Luthor. It's not Lex Luthor. Which one? The yeah. No, no. The unbox the, <laughs> the unbox therapy guy, right? Oh, unbox yeah. therapy. Yeah. yeah, unbox therapy, and also like uh, quite a lot of the other guys within yeah, so, the space. Yeah, but uh, quite a lot of them as and they get paid for the the ad sponsors that they put exactly. within their videos. Because I, I see, I think MKBHD has done NordVPN and he's also done ExpressVPN. Exactly. So, of course, guys are paying for the spots that he puts exactly. in his videos. Like having those, um, you know, those brand placements, right? In South Africa, currently, the model is having a brand sponsorship where you guys, you know, talk about whatever whatever stupid product the brand gives you and you mm. to get whatever check that you get. And you hope that the next one will come to you, right? Currently, that's the only advertising model. And it's because that the only platform that actually works is YouTube, Instagram. But Iono is the only one that has been investing in the tools to actually um, have, um, you know, podcasters own the RSS feed, right? Like, the most important thing is that how do you, if, like, 
having a podcast is like it's so important because the distribution channels are infinite right you have your spotify you have your google podcast you have your you have your you have your apple podcast right it's not like um if i have if i have a you know if i have a youtube channel the only thing that i can do with that video is post on youtube i can't take snippets of it and post it on uh, tiktok i have to create a whole new avenue uh, or a whole new um a thing for for me to be popular on 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 tiktok right whilst having an rss feed having your voice having something like the impact that you can have with the podcast you can literally take it and distribute it uh, infinite in infinite ways right you can even convert your 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 videos into into audio and distribute it via podcast but you need to show people the way to be successful um via a, an effective monetize monetize monetization route right so you need to show how can i be successful and still make money at the exact same time mm. ububele you raising mm. some very important questions and like some very valuable ones as well so i think there's a, there's a lot more models to the podcasting thing that a lot, that a lot of people are not conscious of um whether it's from a platform perspective um hosting perspective content perspective distribution perspective and then advertising perspective like there's so much more to this than i think people are conscious of i think people are just seeing the sort of last mile of it which is like let's make content look cool and put it out i think people are not investing in communities enough people aren't investing in platform enough but i think again this is one of those things where um it's going to show who really wanted to do this and who thought it was a really cool trend and it always shows long term and i think this is something that's around it's going to be around for a very long time um and i'm i'm looking forward to what the future looks like um some of that future i hope to actually create myself so it's going to be interesting time um i think the more platforms we have the more uh, distribution channels we have um and the more invested people actually get to supporting the actual medium and trying to help creators um reach the audiences that they need and drive community those people are going to win um everyone else i'm not so sure so what's this about mm. dali's tax bill what the hell is going on there we have a, a gigantic tax bill on our hand dali <laughs> so yeah dali what's up i can break it down i can break it down no no but like uh okay so as you guys know um i'm plugging my company in the african technopreneurs 180by2.co.za selling 360 cameras that's the reason why i'm actually having to pay this taxable so um for anybody who wants to get into the space i'm hoping that this also just gives you um a bit of encouragement knowing that someone who's also based in south africa can turn over so much that you now have to pay 400,000 to sars <laughs> Of course you're collecting it on their behalf but you have to realize that that is 15% of the total amount. Anybody who knows mathematics, I'm not going to show you or actually tell you how to do the mathematics in this episode, but if you can just do an inverse calculation, you can figure out as to how much that is. It is still quite small, but But that's um, that's what that's It's just reality of the the way that things a, go. That's a month's worth of uh of sales, right? Yeah, it's pretty much like around 2 two, two months, months or so. So we'll have to see as in how yeah, we'll have to see as in how things play out. But um just to give perspective is that I think it would be something that we can even touch right now. Probably with the compass um um Africa side of things. 
is that this touches on the basis that whenever you're actually importing anything, there's going to be duties and there's going to be um, taxes or actually VAT on whatever you're actually paying. And like right now, the 400 is actually being paid to um, DHL, which collects it on our behalf. But the nice thing is that we do have a seven day account with them. So for anybody who also wants to get into that same sort of ordeal, most of the couriers also act as forwarders where they actually deal with your customs and all your um, duty uh, requirements. So the mere fact is that at least you can get the stock in. If you can turn it over in seven days, at least you don't have to worry that you have to pay that 400000 or whatever up front uh, to begin with. But that's just a talk. I think just to touch on my side, at least my inventory is actually in the country. Let's just talk about what has been happening with ProStarter and Ugh. trying to get things from cool. China. So that would also require us to go into the model, right, of what we're trying to do. Yeah. So Ububele, please break down first, what is Compass? Then secondly... What is ProStarter? And then thirdly, why I don't like reading your emails anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so Campus has, has been around since what? Uh, May 2018, but officially November 2019. Uh, it's essentially a holding company for an e-commerce lab that we run, right? One of our brands within the lab is called ProStarter. And then, you know, yeah. So essentially what PostArter is, it's, it's tools for creators to create video and audio. Um, currently, we, what, what, we, what we were selling is, um, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a rig, right? It's a, it's a rig uh, with a mount, with a stand, with a, uh, with, a, with a, what you call it, microphone, right? But the, the thing that happened was that when we opened the store, I think beginning of, beginning of uh, mid-May, right? We opened the store and we got sales, but our, <laughs> but our cash was tied up in something else. When we, we need, our cash was tied up in something else, but we needed to send money to our supplier in China. What happened there was that there was a problem with an FX transaction where um, we mistakenly put the wrong beneficiary uh, name onto 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 the loading our FX. So when the money reached China, it bounced because they couldn't they couldn't verify the account name, right? So we needed to do a re-effect of an FX transaction, meaning that you need to give uh, authorization to the bank and the FX um, the the FX department to say, hey guys, we made a mistake. We need to send this money to this particular account. But now you know, what happens is that that money stays in a suspensory account until somebody authorizes. So we need to write a letter to the bank to say, hey guys, please tell the guys in China to authorize this transaction into this particular account. And that has been taking uh, a lot of days. So what has happened now effectively at the end is that our money hasn't cleared in China and then we don't, you know, the, the, the stock that we have is still in, in China has, and hasn't been loaded onto a plane to South Africa. So now we need to refund everybody that actually had to, uh, you know, place an order. Uh, you know, luckily enough, we okay. have money in, in our account to actually do that. Dali, what are the lessons here? <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> okay, so the lessons is that unless you can Elon Musk it, 
uh, make sure that you've actually got stuff <laughs> on hand. So you might be wondering what I mean by Elon Musk <laughs> is that you sell people hopes and dreams as to them getting their car in like the next year. But, you know, it's like a Kickstarter project. These things never actually arrive on time. Um, I've recently backed like an augmented reality Kickstarter supposed to get delivery in February. Which month are we in right now? It's June. I'm still waiting. So those are the things that you actually have to face when it comes to buying from a new company or even a new brand. And it comes uh, about wanting to balance people's expectations. Second thing is that I think, uh, like with anything else, is that uh, I'm hoping for the next podcast that we now say, yay, we have actually gotten the cash back from the supplier or actually we've actually gotten the product. That will be a better line to use. But um, business is all about risk. And I think anybody who thinks that business is all straightforward, I just send money and often I get the product, I can sell it to the customer, is deluding themselves. Um, if business was easy, everybody would be in it. I think that's the old saying as it goes. And then I think lastly, is this a case of, hey, maybe we should have actually um, measured things a bit better. Of course, we are facing a crisis, so things might be a bit slower when it comes to transactions and the way that things actually operate. But yeah, those are the lessons that I actually just want to throw out there. And I think it's not really a lesson, but I think you might have heard the one thing that we did is that we communicated with our customers to check if they still wanted the product. If they don't want the products and they want their money back, you never necessarily want to hold on to a customer's money because they will necessarily tell everybody as to how you actually con them. And that actually adds to your bad reputation. So I think like with anything else is that sometimes your your bias, as in I'm just going to put it out there. I was also one of the people who bought a product from our own store because, of course, you have to support your own business. But the mirror is that at least I didn't ask for a refund as in I just wanted to make sure that, hey, at least I can see this product come through, see that it actually you're works. You're testing the transaction. And of course, you have to dog food it. You have <laughs> you're, to, test, you're testing the yeah, payment. Testing business. the transaction. But yeah. Exactly. But the thing is that you have to go out there when the product comes through, you're talking to a whole lot of people, you can pitch to them and make sure that, hey, they might actually be keen on actually wanting to buy your product. Yeah. Because the last thing you want is that, for example, I think all of us are using iPhones. I see Ubu Bella is using an iPhone 11. Mash is using an, uh, the latest iPhone SE. No, he, he has, I'm he, using the he iPhone. He actually bought an um, iPhone 11. 10S. He actually bought it. You don't know that. <laughs> Yeah, you see, so so you, so you can see the mere is that if, for example, we're now trying to pitch to you guys that, hey, um, buy the latest Huawei P40, you're not going to believe us because we don't use yeah. the phone. And like, for example, I think even with the, the microphone gear is that once it comes through, that's one thing that we're going to be yeah. dedicated towards doing. Using the gear so at least you know that the quality that you're going to be receiving is the same quality that we're recording on. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, I need to jump off to go onto an Instagram live. Would either of you would uh, like to uh, join me uh. on this? <laughs> Send the link in go the WhatsApp. Away, just, just go away. <laughs> like the internet doesn't have cool, my guys. face, bro. Like you want, <laughs> you, 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 you want people to, to know how I actually look like. All right. Thank you guys so much. Um, really good. Another, well, at least this one wasn't at midnight. So thank you guys so much. Um, yeah, let's let, let's yeah. do this more often. I think it's valuable. Um, so we share our process in terms of how we started our business, the things that we're trying to do and how they work, um, mainly because it helps, right? So this week, if you listen to this podcast, this is just for you. We won't announce this on Twitter or anywhere else. We've now built a guide to e-commerce, 
which is literally a guide to how to build an e-commerce store from start to finish. Um, Dali, as, as you heard, is making a very significant amount of money on an e-commerce platform. And we're a startup lab for e-commerce platforms. We've built a bunch of stores for other people. We've helped um, a bunch of people get really good sales. But we want to help a lot more people and do it for absolutely nothing. But the sheer value of empowering people. So go to compass.africa um, and then go onto our guide and you'll click onto the guide to e-commerce. It's right at the top um, and it will break down each and every step that you need to take to actually build an online store. I think it's super, super valuable. And if you go through that, you really learn a lot. Um, so it's very much worth it. Um, take your time with it. Um, learn as much as possible and also feed back to us. Um, I think it's really great when we hear more um, about your experience um, and, and yeah, whether or not it was valuable or not. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you guys so much for being part of this as well. All right. Cheers, Mesh. No problem, cool, cool, man. Cool. Just a quick wrap up. Cheers. Just a quick one. Quick one. So uh, again, connecting. Where can you find us? So for myself, DJ Ngoma on twitter and the likes i do currently now have a calendly link on my twitter profile so if you get stuck with e-commerce or augmented and virtual reality literally you can book 15 minutes and i'll be able to assist you so we've got a guide like uh, mash has already alluded to and if you do need help at least i can spare 15 minutes to at least get you in the right direction but put in the work and you'll also be able to succeed as we're we're trying to as well cool cool Thank you so much. Cool, cool, cool. Cool. Me out. You can cut the recording. I'll now. charge you. If you want my advice, I'll charge you. Include this in the recording. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so what? Cool, cool, cool. So-